Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, talk radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer. Still joining me all morning from the Institute of Economic Affairs, Emma Revel, and we'll get her thoughts at the end of my next interview, which I'm delighted to say is with the Security Minister, James Brokenshire, who joins us here on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. A lot to talk about in relation to coronavirus, obviously, but uh, also yeah. in relation to the lockdown and those people who are find their lockdown much harder than most of us. Um, there's something you, you're here to talk about today, and that's the you're having the Open Virtual Hidden Harm Summit in Downing Street yes. to tackle the issue of domestic abuse. And uh, tell us about the new measures that are going to be announced today to help vulnerable people. Yes, um, the, the lockdown has had a lot of uh, very you know, difficult and challenging thing, uh, situations for a number of people. And we've been incredibly concerned about the issue of domestic abuse and also child sexual exploitation as people are in homes which could be at risk and at harm. We're having a, a virtual online summit that the Prime Minister is chairing later today. And one of the things that we would like to take forward is a new code word scheme for domestic abuse victims so that if someone is in need of help, they're trying to escape from their situation, but have managed to go out to buy food or to buy some medicine, then working with the retailers so that if someone uses that code word or those words, that they can be identified, that the retailer then knows what to do to safeguard them, to get them help. And it's part of an overall package of support that we've been providing around £76 million extra funding for vulnerable people uh, from the government, as well as some specific funds for helplines and other actions as well. And also supporting our National Crime Agency to get into the, the dark web and really take action against those who are engaged in the appalling crimes of uh, child sexual exploitation and the sharing of images. So a real concerted effort, but equally to lead to an action plan. We the further steps are required. That is what this session is intended to inform. And therefore, what I believe will be a constructive way of bringing people together and helping us to define that next step. Okay, well, let's also talk about the vulnerable people across the country, uh, vulnerable to uh, COVID-19. The Prime Minister yesterday at PMQs promised to have this track and trace system in place with manual traces, 25,000, he ended up saying, being recruited uh, Mm. to trace 10,000 people a day in place at the end of next week. Given that we were originally told we'd have an app in place by mid-May, we'd all be able to start returning out of lockdown on the 1st of June, including primary schools. Um, Do you you understand and accept why so 
many people simply don't trust the government when they set these sort of arbitrary dates for delivering these uh, major developments in terms of what, what is needed for getting us out of lockdown? I think it's important to recognise the the speed and pace at which government is moving, knowing that we have to put in place some very wide-ranging capabilities with large capacity to be able to deal with the sorts of cases that we're talking about. The Prime Minister yesterday underlined that we have recruited 24,000 people who are currently in training with the view to get it up to 25,000 by the beginning of June. And as you say, Julia, to be able to track and trace 10,000 people a day. That is has been a huge effort and work that has been done at pace. But of course, it is the need to do so, keeping that R rate, this rate of transmission down and enabling us then to look at the, the next stage, but still doing that with great care, following the science, being cautious in that way. But it, it has, uh, I think, underlined the real commitment and determination of the government to move at speed. Uh, you say we have to recognise the speed and pace and a huge effort. It's been two months since we went into lockdowns. 59th day of lockdown today. Uh, we knew mm. in mid-March that we had to, we, it's now the cat's out of the bag, that the, the testing and tracing system we had, up, we had mm. then under Public Health England had to be abandoned yeah. because there was a lack of capacity given the scale of the outbreaks around the, the, the country. Um, why does it take two months to recruit 24,000 and 25,000 manual tracers and to get an app together? I mean, there's an app sitting there ready, uh, you know, Facebook and Google, whatever they've, they've come up with it, we could be using that. Why has it taken us so long when other countries have done this? They've got things up and running. Why couldn't we have borrowed what they've done, followed what they've done? Why would it take two months to recruit people to do this tracing? Well, I think it's, it's under it's, the, the different phases that we have seen of this, this outbreak and how uh, different countries have entered into this in different ways. But equally, yes, absolutely, learning from the experience of other that obviously have placed the, the testing and obviously yesterday around 177,000 tests issued. Of course, we, we want to do more. We want to go faster. But I think it is the this will give the ability to track and trace 10,000 people a day. Yes, no, but, but, but Mr. Brokenshaw, we yeah. know that. This will, this will be a really good thing. It's such a good thing and such an obvious good thing. It's something that should have perhaps been done a bit earlier. Why are we mm. currently recruiting people to be trackers and tracers when we knew two months ago we were going into lockdown and that the only way out of lockdown would be having these people employed. Why have we not done that? Are we really saying that the people look, you know, trying to track down PPE, the people making sure ventilators were available to the NHS, are we really saying they're exactly the same people as the people who were doing recruitment for trackers and tracers? Surely the bandwidth of government should be wide enough that we can do all of these things at the same time. Well, first of all, Julia, obviously there, there will be, I'm sure, time for us to reflect in slower time on what uh, has and has not been done. But, but the point being that with Track and Trace, it's a combination of, uh, in essence, called handlers at the end, but also some clinicians and medically trained people behind that. Uh, and therefore, the, the Track and Trace capability clearly being hugely relevant when we're now past the peak of the virus we want to keep that down and therefore how the utility of the track and trace capability becomes just so essential as we enter this okay. next yep. phase of our response. And, and, and at what point did we start recruiting these people and at what point will they all be fully trained? 
Well, in terms of the the training, we are working with the 24,000 to see that they are trained by the uh, beginning of June so that we have that that ability, Julia, to uh, deliver on the track and trace facilities that uh, we want and need to see in place. Obviously, this has been work that's been ongoing for uh, some uh, for, for several weeks in terms of the recruitment and training process. But it is about having that number of people ready and available to to provide this essential service that you okay. rightly challenged me on it on it needing to be there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it I needed, it needed to I be there before that. now. Um, I know time's against us. I know you've got another interview, mm. so apologies for interrupting you. But um, there's been quite a lot of anger on social media, the front pages of the papers today. Lots of them are using the pictures of people flocking to beaches and the, uh, the wonderful sunny heat yesterday. Um, did any of those people do anything wrong? Well, under the guidance in England, obviously you are able to travel to uh, to be able to get exercise, to be able to uh, get out of home, provided that you are distancing at uh, the two metre rule. And obviously, uh, we've got these uh, requirements in relation to not meeting people out of your household. Obviously, you know it is concerning to see those pictures and the the overall capacity and it's you know it is about making sure that we do keep that sense of distance that if we go out we go to places that we are maintaining that two meter rule but but i understand of course with with good weather with all of the restrictions that people have had on that need to be able to get out the house all of the mental health issues and indeed some of those issues that we spoke about at the the beginning of this interview julia on those who are in very very difficult circumstances obviously the advice and guidance remains uh, is just so important we remain uh, uh, really sort of uh, alive and awake to the the issues here remain alert in terms of keeping the rate of transmission down you, so that we can actually move to further releases of the restrictions. Are you not in government more concerned about the threat to the economy now than the threat of, of people not returning to work than the threat of people going to beaches? Uh, it, 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 obviously, we are concerned about both because the point is that if the rate of transmission uh, increases, Julia, what we can't have is then moving into further restrictions with all of the damages that that, damage that, that would cause to our economy. So it is both. Obviously, why we've invested all of the way, all of the different schemes that we have to support business through furlough, through the uh, different arrangements for self-employed people, as well as funding directly for businesses uh, through the bounce back loan and through other schemes too. But you are right. It is obviously the, the combination of both of these factors that we have very firmly in our mind, which is why we want to see that R rate, see the alert rate, this five stage alert rate coming down so that we can release and see more of our economy opening up, which equally is why we need to be so, uh, I think, alert to the current situation and seeing that we do keep that rate of transition transmission down. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Uh, right now, though, let's talk about, uh, well, how viable this entire tracking and tracing system is and how much confidence we have in it actually being in place from the start of June with Meg Hillier. She's chair of the Public Accounts Select Committee. She's also a Labour and Cooperative MP, and she joins us now. Good morning to you, Meg. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. OK, a simple question. How confident are you that this system will be in place by the end of next week? Well, I don't think by the end of next week it can possibly be fully up and running. However, the person they put in charge of it is Dido Harding, Baroness Harding, who does have a good track record of getting on, cracking on and delivering these things. And I think she's going to bring the rigour that they need. Uh, she, she's the, she's the former boss of um, Talk Talk, isn't she? That, yeah, that's right. And she's yeah. got very, you know, she, she, I mean, I have got a lot of faith. Uh, if, if she's in charge, I think something's moving. Um, but I think it's a pretty Herculean task to get it up and running by the end of next week. And I think you've got to remember that there's the technical end of it. And um, Emma highlighted some of the issues there um, around that and, and making sure there's trust with the public in that. And I was minister responsible for ID cards, so I know a lot about trust in terms of civil liberties, for example, just that, that bit of it alone. But then there's the practical end. Locally, in each area, you do need people physically on the ground to do some of it. So you've got to have data collected nationally, and then you need a lot of people you know, on the ground talking to people. So I've got, a, in, in East London even, you know, a lot of people who have no access to the internet, to Wi-Fi, don't have smartphones, so an app won't reach them. And there are all sorts of different communities with, um, in different parts of the country with language issues, different faith groups and so on, who may have different 
different approaches work better for them to make sure that they really understand what track and trace is about and what the risks are and that that means really getting down into the weeds of local communities. So it's a multi-step process. The idea that that's going to be up and running across the UK uh, or, or even across England by the end of next week is, is not really likely. But I hope with the right woman in charge, we're going to be we're, we're motoring towards the yeah. right Although uh, there, there have been quite big issues about Dodo Harding because she was in charge of Talk Talk when they had a major data breach, which they were not open about. So there's some concerns for people about their privacy there. But do you think the fact that the, the Prime Minister was talking about, uh, you never know, it was just point scoring at PMQs because we know Prime Ministers of all political views do do this. That, uh, he said that you know they've recruited 24,000 manual tracers already. It's more than the the 18,000 they'd originally promised, they're going to be 25,000 in place they can trace, 10,000 a, a day. Look, we, we don't even know whether these people have been fully trained yet. We're told they will be by the James Brokenshire, the security minister, uh, by the 1st of June. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what level of training they're getting uh, to be able to do this. But also, do you not think the fact that they're recruiting more human beings to do the job is a recognition of the fact that not everyone has a smartphone in this country, but also that actually the, the, the app may not well may not be in place. It was supposed to be in place by mid-May. It's not in place now. It's being tested on the Isle of Wight. We know there are some problems with it. Um, uh, but now we're told it's going to follow the manual tracing system. So it may be a, a month late. And most people thought that mid-May was running late as well. Well, I think you're right. I mean, that, on that final thing, absolutely, we are running so late on this. This could have been something that was being worked up during lockdown, and I am dismayed about the lack of decision and direction on something, which is a pretty basic epidemiological uh, thing. If you think about how cholera was tackled in Victorian London, we know what the basic system is that needs to be in place. But in terms of training people, you know, I've spoken to uh, an epidemiologist who tells me that it's not actually that difficult to train someone to do it right. But I was hearing uh, your previous guest who was saying, you know, that, that to get it right is, is quite a sensitive job. But the government keeps talking these big thousands of numbers on everything it's talking about, as though, if, as you say, a bit of macho stuff at the dispatch box, you know, uh, you raise me 10,000, I'll raise you 12. It's a sort of, of a very silly political game. What we really need is trust that this will work. If the government loses the trust of the public, then however much you track and trace, you're going to have real real issues because, first of all, they've got to trust the app and then we've got to have a system in place that really is delivering. So it is a very foolish thing if ministers are talking this up more than they should be. They need to be honest with us about where it's at and not come out with bluff and bluster and say it's all going to be fine next week if it's not because it's going to be really challenging for it. And, and again, I mean, this is, again, this is not, sort of government bashing for the sake of government bashing because actually you know, I've spoken to you for many yeah. many years on, on, on radio and, and that's not something you tend to engage in but you are as 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 chair of the public accounts select committee you do look into you know, what government spends on big projects IT projects have been a very big issue um, no government of any political hue has ever had a very good track record with anything involving IT uh, I think <laughs> We could write a book. In fact, one of my colleagues did write a book about some of these IT failures. Uh, one of them, a conservative colleague, because yes, it is. It's, it seems so easy when you're a minister in Whitehall to say, "Oh, great, we can just click a switch and do this." Actually, it take, these are big projects, and anybody will tell you it takes a long while to deliver uh, on on these projects. And you've got a lot of things to get through like the civil liberties issues, as well as the interaction with real people. And that's the bit that my committee routinely sees as a problem. You know, Whitehall says we've got a great idea. And as soon as then they interact with people, real people in real lives, then you find out what the problems are. So, you know, we haven't even got to that stage except on the Isle of Wight yet. So there's going to there's a, many a slip twix cup and lip, as they <laughs> used to say. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And yeah, and just to be clear, I chair a cross party committee and we are as a, a you know, we all we are 
we, we, we hunt down waste, we hunt down inefficiency. Um, and because we all, uh, whatever our party, want government, any government, generally the system of government to work well on behalf of the taxpaying public, because remember, all of this is also paid for by your listeners out of their hard-earned taxes. And at the moment, that every penny really counts as well. So we've got to look at all of that. Frankly, at this point, we've just got to get it done. But it's going to, also... the idea that it's all going to be up and running next week is I just can't see that happening. Can I also ask you about this NHS surcharge row? Now, um, overseas workers uh, and all their family members, so the you know, husbands, wives and children, will have to pay £400 a year these days. The government claim that brings in £900 billion a year towards the NHS. Uh, for a year, though, that it's been suspended for NHS doctors, nurses and paramedics. Prime Minister yesterday refused to extend that to other people working on lower pay in the NHS. And we're told, you know, this can cost a fortune. It's going up to a, a, a larger sum in the autumn, I think, over 600 a year and again if you've got a family of four you're looking at uh, paying very large fees um i can can understand why this is difficult for people to to pay but why should nhs workers be i mean if there's going to be a surcharge for using nhs why should nhs workers be excluded from it just because they work in the nhs um that they work in the nhs because they're paid to do so they don't do it as a charitable thing why should we exclude nhs workers at whatever level from paying a fee to use the nhs as a service when the nhs is paid for by taxpayers well, I mean, there, there is a, we looked into this as a committee. It is actually very complex who qualifies for free NHS treatment. It's not on nationality, actually. It's usually on people who are paying uh, paying into the system. So if you're actually legally resident here, um, you don't always pay this, this fee. So there is a, it's, it's not as simple as if you're a foreigner, you pay, and if you're not, uh, you're British, you don't by any means. So it is complex. When we looked at it in detail, we, we found that there was no proper mechanism in the NHS for collecting legitimate money from people who should legitimately pay, be paying for it, not you know, these tourists and so on. Um, but many tourists were also... Uh, had health insurance, uh, travel insurance that covered all of these sorts of things. So it is actually just a hodgepodge. And it's, again, a simple thing rattled off at the dispatch box and big figures named. Actually, the whole thing is mess. In, in the other countries, if, I don't know if you've ever travelled and had an issue with uh, your health, uh, um, Julia, but if you do, they ask you for your insurance form and your insurance company just sort of it just goes through um, automatically. In the UK, no one even knows what to do with an insurance form. If you were an American, say, and you turned up in A&E, yeah. needing some help. And a lot of trusts don't need to have So it is a lot more complex. But really, frankly, it is a tax on people coming into the country. And while we need people to come and work here, you know, it is, it's, it's likely to be a break. If you've got the choice of, say, working uh, in Australia or Canada or uh, the UK and you look at the differences, for as you say, for a family of four, that's a huge upfront cost that you'd have to pay and it, it's, it's something we need to really consider. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Right now, let's talk about those young people who are facing a, well, some difficult choices right now. Maybe you've just been told, hey, you don't have to do your A-levels or you might want to retake in the autumn if you're not happy with the predictions but you may well get into university do you want to defer going to university because you're not going to get the full experience or maybe you want to go to a different university because your university isn't actually planning to have on uh, anything other than online lectures uh, indeed uh, you may want to go on a gap year maybe you're cancelling the gap year because you can't go traveling lots of big decisions to be made but a lot of those decisions are going to be forced on students by the university to which they've already applied and perhaps uh, accepted a, uh, a place university of cambridge became the very first uh, institution in this country to say that they were going to ban all uh, real-time lectures in lecture halls uh, for the entire academic year due to the pandemic. There'll be only online lectures uh, until the summer, and who knows how much longer. The University of Bolton say, though, 
they are planning to reopen campus in September as normal, but with, of course, social distancing, face masks and scanners and the like. Well, let's talk to the President and Vice-Chancellor of the University of Bolton, Professor George Holmes, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, it's nice to hear some positivity uh, from someone in the institution uh, or the, well, the sector of, uh, of universities. We know that the university sector is being very hard hit uh, by uh, this, this because all these uh, foreign students who are no longer coming uh, and, of course, massive, massive costs uh, to people being put on furlough and the like. Um, I, think, I can't imagine being at university uh, with social distancing, given that a large part of university is the exact opposite of social distancing, but also the prospect of not even having you know, face-to-face tutorials or, or being in a lecture hall with fellow students how do you propose to make it work and why do you think you can do it but the university of cambridge can't well well we're proposing to have um, a very rigorous set of safety and health measures in place so that we can see ourselves in line with the government uh, guidelines for employers and organizations to be to be covid secure and you know it'll have things like we're offering we, we bought a thousand bikes last week which we'll loan to students and if we need to buy more we've got the supplier on standby um, so that they don't have to come in on public transport if they want to isolate themselves from that, because that can be quite a worry for them. Um, when they arrive on campus, they'll find themselves with um, airport-style um, thermal scanners that will check temperatures and obviously alert anyone uh, with someone at the, the door there saying that there's a temperature problem here, you need to ring 111, um, and obviously won't let them in at that point. Uh, we've got masks on the uh, face masks to allocate at the door, and they will be in the first stages under this plan. They'll be compulsory uh, once you're inside the buildings because the medical advice seems to be that uh, um, uh, masks help you not to infect someone else if you've got yes. it. And certainly last term, a number of students spoke with me uh, saying that they were concerned that other people were not wearing masks and could infect them, even though uh, they, uh, the mask doesn't necessarily protect them from being infected themselves. It's the, the, the ability to create that. So we're going to go for masks. Um, we've got uh, lots of gloves on. I think uh, we ordered 150,000 gloves a couple of weeks ago, um, ready to, to give out to people at door so they can throw them away. Um, one-way systems in corridors, um, two metres apart, library set up a bit like a, a very effective supermarket with uh, with trolleys for students so that students can have to social distance by being in a trolley if they're going to collect things from the collections. Um, the number of trolleys limits the number of students. They'll be carefully managed in that way. Uh, tutorial and seminar rooms set up with um, Perspex screens to uh, ensure that people are behind those screens if they're giving uh, giving a lecture or giving a, a seminar or talking to people. And obviously, there'll still be online seminars and lectures going on because clearly, materials always been available. You know, Moodle's always been there, the online facility, yeah. um, and um, that'll be available. Uh, uh, so. I have to say, uh, it, it just sounds wonderfully can do. Just getting on with it. How are we going to make this work? You want to make sure students can uh, still have that for still have that proper experience of university. I wonder though, it, it will work very well when people are you know, perhaps during the day getting their work done. How well does it work when it comes to social distancing students when they're in their halls of residence and when they're at drunken parties? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, one has to recognise the government guidelines. We don't know how long they're going to be enforced, but they're likely to be enforced for some time. So drunken parties for the whole population are currently off. Um, and, so they're going, to be, they're going to be banned for students in the same way they're banned for all of us right now? Really important that we follow the national government guidelines. And if they are banned at the national level, which they are now, and that one shouldn't be doing it, they shouldn't be doing it if they're a student. There's no exception just because you're a student on that issue. You know, um, people have really done well to abide by this, uh, the majority of people, for a long time now, and, and we would ask them to continue to do that. Um, uh, in terms of halls of residence, uh, we are much, very much a commuter university. There are three million people in Greater Manchester who tend to choose one of the very, you know, one of the very good universities in Greater Manchester, which we are one, um, and they commute to them quite often. 
So, you know, you don't find we've got large halls. I mean, I think we've only got about 400 students in halls in terms of the University of Bolton. Um, now, in those halls, we're having to work. They're, they're owned by a private provider. They're a specialist hall provider. We have to work with them to make sure that they can accommodate students in the way that would be safe. And we haven't yet got government guidelines on that. So we're silent on that at the minute. Um, we're, we're saying this is a very much a, a commuter facility at the minute where you're living in your, your home residence and travelling. And there are three million people in Manchester who can travel to that, uh, that university, our, our university. And do so safely. Um, I have to yeah. say, um, I absolutely, I salute you. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic that you're getting this all together. And again, getting it all together months and months in advance uh, and making sure that students can get the full experience and can, uh, and can and still go to university and enjoy themselves and get the learning done. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.